The year was 1986. It was NBA All-Star Weekend in Dallas, Texas. Specifically, it was the NBA Dunk Contest. The players were announced and most of the names are ones that anyone would have expected to hear. Paul Pressey, Jerome Kersey, Terrence Stansberry. There was also Gerald Wilkins and his older brother defending dunk champion Dominique Wilkins. But there was one name that nobody expected to hear. Spud Webb. All five foot six of him. That is 163 centimeters, by the way. That 1986 dunk contest was held nearly 40 years ago, and Spud Webb is still the third shortest player in NBA history. This is the story of Spud Webb and the 1986 dunk contest. And this is Basketball History 101. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is a podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience. And today, we are bringing you the story of Spud Webb. He is not a Hall of Famer. He never made an All-Star game. He was not even a regular starter until his sixth season in the league. However, he is one of the most unforgettable players in NBA history. He will always be associated with the one moment in the NBA spotlight, the 1986 NBA dunk contest. But where did Spud Webb come from? How did he find himself at the center of attention among some of the greatest players to ever play the game? Spud Webb was born Anthony Jerome Webb on July 13, 1963 in Dallas, Texas. He got his nickname Spud from his grandmother. She thought that his head was a bit misshapen and that it looked like the Soviet satellite Sputnik. So she called him Sputnik at first, but it was later shortened to just Spud. The name stuck and that is what he has been called his whole life. He grew up in a low-income area of Dallas, but seemed to be quicker than many of the other kids, even if he was no bigger than they were. His speed and jumping ability helped him to compete against larger players in basketball. It became obvious pretty early that he was never going to be a very tall person, and that is not good for anyone who has dreams of becoming a professional basketball player. It seems that he was always fighting for his spot. Around the age of 12 or 13, he was cut from the basketball team because he was so small. And this is the part of the story that I have a hard time understanding. He was faster and could jump higher than anybody else on the team, but the coach felt that his height would be a detriment, so he had no team to play for. In a moment of good luck, the two of the other players from that team did not get their physicals completed in time to play the first game, and that is a fairly standard procedure for school athletic teams in the United States. Each player must complete a physical exam to make sure that they are healthy before starting each season. Well, since those two players could not play in that first game, the coach called Spud and asked him to suit up for the game as a replacement player. He scored 22 points in that game and earned a permanent spot on the team. Now, people knew that despite his height, he was a player to be reckoned with. His high school career continued in much the same way with Spud averaging 26 points per game on the varsity. Now, pretty much anyone who can average 26 points per game in high school is going to be recruited by a number of colleges and universities, but not Spud. His height was once again a liability for him as college coaches stayed away from him. He landed at Midland College, which is a two-year college. The two-year colleges, also known as junior colleges or community colleges, play at the lowest levels of college basketball in the United States. But it was a place where Spud could play and continue to develop his skills. He led Midland to the 1982 Junior College National Championship by scoring 36 points to beat the previously undefeated Miami-Dade North College from Florida. Now, you know, sometimes in sports they say that all a player needs is a chance. 
In middle school, all Spud needed was a chance, and he delivered. And when it came to college basketball, all he needed was a chance. Midland gave him that chance, and he delivered. He played well enough that he was offered a scholarship by coach Jim Valvano to play his last two years at North Carolina State University. Now Spud was playing at the highest level of college basketball where he averaged 10 points and 5 assists per game for his two years playing for the Wolfpack. Now that was good enough to be drafted in the fourth round of the 1985 NBA draft by the Detroit Pistons. In preparation for Pistons training camp, Spud played that summer with the Rhode Island Gulls of the United States Basketball League or USBL. The USBL was a minor league that gave players another chance to develop their skills in hopes of making an NBA roster. That summer, Spud teamed up with Manute Bowl, who was 7'7", seven seven, or 231 centimeters. Bowl was also having a hard time making it to the NBA, and he was playing in this league to further develop his own skills. At the end of that summer, it was time to go to Pistons training camp, but that proved difficult for him as the Pistons were already so guard-heavy. They already had Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Vinnie Johnson, and John Long all proven veterans. Spud would be lucky to see any court time in this group. The Pistons released him and Spud was a free agent. Most thought that a guy like Spud Webb would probably end up playing in Europe or perhaps the Globetrotters because his height could be used for marketing purposes. But just like the other teams at the time, he just needed a chance. His agent arranged for a tryout with the Atlanta Hawks and he went in and to everyone's surprise, he beat out a couple of veteran players and earned a spot on the opening night roster. And I do have memories of the NBA of the 1980s. I remember that the Atlanta Hawks were playing on TV and my dad said, hey, look at this. See that really short player? And that was the first time that I remember seeing Spud Webb on TV. And I could not believe how tiny he was compared to other players. He looked like a ball boy who had snuck under the court as a joke. I could not believe that a player that small could make it in the NBA. It was absolutely amazing. And man, was he fast. The larger players could not keep up with him. Spud Webb became a hero for all of those smaller players who were cut or rejected strictly because of their height. Spud Webb was living proof that a small player could make it. During that rookie year with the Hawks, he played in 79 games starting in 8 of them. He averaged 8 points and 4 assists per game, and that was a solid start to his career. But the other thing that happened during his rookie year was the dunk contest, where his popularity would explode. So this is a good place to take a break, and I'll be right back with Spud Webb's performance in that dunk contest. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique items with the retro and historical designs dating back to 1876 including t-shirts long sleeve shirts phone cases mugs blankets pillows towels and even shower curtains go to sportshistorynetwork.com row number one for access to the full row one catalog and for gallery prints and gift items plus get a 15 percent discount off all prints on the row one pictorum gallery with coupon code shn15 follow the link on the show notes
Hi, everybody. Dan and Andrew from Hello Old Sports here. We wanted to drop in and let you know about our latest episode. That's right. We interviewed the co-authors of Phyllis George, Shattering the Ceiling, a biography of groundbreaking broadcaster Phyllis George. And her life is really sort of a journey through 20th century America, from Miss America pageants to the Kentucky State House to the groundbreaking NFL Today show on CBS, even the Kentucky Colonels, the old ABA. We got into all sorts of stories about the Celtics under Red Auerbach, about the interview with Roger Staubach, about really all sorts of things, a fight between Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. We really enjoyed talking with Lenny Shulman and Paul Volponi, who teamed up to write this book. The book is on sale right now wherever books are sold, you know, within reason, garage sales, probably not. So go (laughs) ahead and pick up a copy today. And if you want a chance to win the book, you can go to sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways and register for a chance to win. Goodbye, old sports. Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the story of Spud Webb, the third shortest player in NBA history. He was a huge surprise to everyone that he was even in the dunk contest. Nobody knew he could dunk. He had never dunked in a game or a practice before. Not even his teammates in the Hawks had ever seen him dunk before. So what in the world was he doing in the dunk contest, especially considering that his own Hawks teammate Dominique Wilkins was the defending dunk champion and was looking to go back to back. Now, just as a quick side note, Michael Jordan did not participate in the 1986 contest because he had broken his ankle earlier in the season and he was still in a cast. Now, the other thing that Spud Webb had going for him was that the dunk contest was in Dallas that year, which was his hometown. The crowd knew that he was a hometown player, and since nobody from the Mavericks was participating, Spud automatically became the crowd favorite. He was the hometown boy made good. Spud opened the dunk contest with a two-handed double pump reverse dunk, and the crowd went crazy. Nobody could believe that a player that small just did what he did, but it seemed that he missed the dunk as the ball went flying straight up out of the rim. Spud immediately said to the referee that the ball went through, but bounced off his head and back out through the rim. The dunk should be considered valid. The referee initially called a missed dunk, meaning that Spud would have to perform a replacement dunk, but one of the judges came to Spud's rescue. Hall of Famer Dave Cowens was that judge, and he said to the referee that the ball definitely went through, but hit Spud on the head and bounced out just as Spud had said. The dunk was a good dunk. The judges went ahead and gave him a 46 out of 50 for that first dunk. For his second dunk, he went in for a one-handed 360-degree jam. That requires hang time. It was one thing for a player as short as Spud to do a regular straight dunk, but it is another thing to spin around 360 degrees while in the air and still jam it through. That requires a rare leaping ability. For that dunk, the judges gave him a score of 48. On his third dunk of the first round, he went in forward and pulled off a two-handed double pump dunk and received a 47 for that one. The crowd did not like that score. They booed the judges because they felt that Spud should have received a higher score. But overall, he scored well enough to make it to the second round of the contest. Now for his first dunk of the second round, he decided to bounce the ball high into the air and then he jumped up, caught the ball, and threw down a two-handed reverse dunk, his first 50 of the contest. What makes the dunk look so impossible is that his feet are so much higher off the ground than the other competitors who are a foot taller or more. And that makes a difference in the aesthetics of the dunk. A really tall player like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would not do well in a dunk contest because he barely gets off the ground and does not look that impressive. But Spud has to leap so high and there is so much air underneath his feet that it looks incredibly impressive. 
For his second dunk of the second round, he walked through his path like he was measuring the court first. That served to create anticipation and the crowd started to get excited. He went in from half court for a regular one-handed jam and missed. He did get to use a replacement dunk and he nailed it on the second try. And it was a relatively conservative dunk but it still looked impressive because he was so high off the ground. When he came down from his dunk, it looked like he was jumping out of a second floor window. It seemed like it took a while for him to return to earth. For his third dunk, he missed again. And it was kind of hard to tell what he was trying to do since he lost control of the ball. So with the replacement dunk, he played it safe and went in for a straight two-handed forward double pump dunk. It was good enough to score a 46, which put him through to the third and final round. Now, what I love about what Spud did is that he was looking at the scores. He knew what he needed, and he had a good idea of what type of dunk would move him forward in the contest. He knew that you do not need to win the dunk contest in the first round. You just have to dunk well enough to make it through each round and then give the crowd the good stuff in the last round. Uh, unless your name is Vince Carter, of course, who won the 2000 dunk contest on the first dunk. Anyway, it was time for the final round where he would be macked up against his teammate and defending champion Dominique Wilkins. In the final round, each of them would get two dunks. Spud started things off with a 360 degree one-handed jam. The crowd loved it and he received a 50 and that put pressure on Dominique to hold serve. Spud definitely had the crowd in his pocket and the crowd can definitely influence the judges. For his final dunk, Spud bounced the ball off the ground off the backboard and then he caught it one-handed and slammed it home. I mean, the guy looked like he was flying. He was so high off the ground and the judges awarded him another 50. And now the pressure was really on Dominique. He had to get a 50 or Spud Webb would win the contest. Dominique came baseline and did a two-handed windmill power jam. It was a great dunk, but one that people had seen before from Dominique. He only scored a 48 and Spud Webb was then the 1986 NBA Slam Dunk Contest Champion. For his effort, he was presented with one of those huge checks for $12,000 and the Slam Dunk Trophy. In the matter of just 40 minutes, he became the most famous player in the NBA. He was now a household name. He was able to land a great number of endorsement deals. He was endorsing everything from pony shoes to Chips Ahoy cookies to Coca-Cola. As for the rest of his career, it was just business as usual for an NBA journeyman. After six seasons with the Hawks where he averaged nine points and five assists per game, he was traded to the Sacramento Kings. At least with the Kings, he was a full-time starter and he doubled his minutes compared to Atlanta. He played four seasons with the Kings and averaged 14 points and seven assists per game. But then he started to lose his speed and that happens to everybody. Tall players can usually make up for the lack of speed with superior height. But for Spud, without his speed, he had little else to offer at the NBA level. And now he became easy to defend. He split the 1996 season between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Atlanta Hawks. He then played for a season in Italy and finished off his career playing just four games for the Orlando Magic. He officially ended his career at the end of the 1998 season. Of course, because of his popularity, he still gets invited back to the dunk contest as a judge or simply as a guest. Nate Robinson, a three-time dunk champion who is a short player himself at only 5'9", wanted to honor Spud Webb by pulling him out of the crowd and then jumping over him for a dunk. It was one of those great moments of NBA All-Star Game. Today, Spud Webb is the president of basketball operations for the Texas Legends of the G League, which is directly associated with the Dallas Mavericks. He is still working in basketball and doing it in his hometown. Spud Webb paved the way for other smaller players to get their chance. 
guys like Earl Boykins, Nate Robinson, and the second Isaiah Thomas. Now teams are at least willing to give a smaller player a tryout where a generation ago they would not have. And that is a win. That is the impact of Spud Webb. Now that does it for this story. Join us next week when we share the story of Nat Sweetwater Clifton. He was the first black player to sign an NBA contract back in the summer of 1950. He was a first-rate player who spent the early part of his career with the Harlem Globetrotters and had already proven himself in having played a number of games against NBA teams and played well. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories in the past. Take care and see you soon. <laughs>